Good morning. It's good to be here in God's presence and to be called to worship. Uh, welcome to everyone who's gathered here. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and welcome also to those who are joining us online this morning. We're thankful that God has united us by his spirit, that we can worship together. As before we begin our, our service, I just want to take a moment to share a couple announcements. Um, one thing is that we have some different children's classes that are coming back. So this morning we have a nursery available in the rooms right to the right as you come in uh, to the church. Uh, also, there is a youth class going on right now, and children's worship will happen downstairs, and those kids will be dismissed um, during, after the prayer of invocation. So as, uh, just also, as, as classes are coming back, if your child is going to participate in one of those children or youth classes, you don't need to sign them up on the Eventbrite link to register for them for the service because they'll be in a different spot of the church building. So just to, to let you know going forward uh, that new approach. A couple other things just to mention. Uh, during our shortened kind of a time of shortened services, we're not having our traditional passing of the plate for the offering, uh, but invite you to still respond by, to God's generosity by giving. There's an offering plate in the back, or you can give online to the church website. Uh, also, today we'll be participating in the sacrament of communion. It's a chance for us to respond to God's grace to us in Christ. And finally, just to mention that next Saturday, May 8th, we're having a work day here from 10 a.m. to 12 to do some cleaning and moving around some of the things in the children's classrooms to better prepare them for our classes. So if you're able on Saturday from 10 to 12 to come and do some help, uh, there's a sign-up link in the Tuesday email that goes out. So you know, put your name down. It'd be great to, to have you join us for those couple hours next Saturday. Well, God's called us and invited us to come, to come as his people and respond to his goodness. So let's, let's get ready to do that. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. Good morning. Our call to worship today is from Psalm 37. <clears throat> and though we're not singing in here quite yet, um, there's still a responsive uh, speaking part, so I invite you to stand with us uh, as we do the call to worship.
Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord is a stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord delivers those who take refuge in Him. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, help us this morning to see that our lives are empty apart from you. Lead us out of our self-centered, our self-sufficient ways of living. Allow us to embrace our neediness as both normal and necessary as your people. And God, we rejoice that you have not left us in our poverty, but you have made us rich in Christ. So cultivate in us true humility, repentance, dependency, so that your kingdom comes through us as it is in heaven. Father, we pray for those in India right now. The losses there are hard to comprehend. Lord, in your mercy, save them. Deliver them from the tyranny of this virus. May the decisions made by the government be for the good, the flourishing of the people there. And we do pray for the families who have lost loved ones. Be close to them, comfort them in their grief. Lord, we know that your love, it, it bore flesh, that it walked through the darkness of the valley of death and upon the cross. And God, as you led your people out of Egypt through the wilderness to that certain place of promise, May Jesus lead us now through our sorrow and grief, through our own rebellion and wandering, to the life and joy he brings through his resurrection. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we turn now to our time of confession. At time, before we do that, let's dismiss the children for children's worship. Still getting the hang of this. Melinda is going to be here in the back to greet them. Well, now we turn to our time of confession, a time to acknowledge with God our need, our, our, our dependency upon him. And so we'll do this together as God's people, as the church, and then have a time of quiet, personal confession. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Lord, we pray that the fruit of your Spirit may grow in us. Almighty God, you are the source of all goodness. You see those who are weary and broken and are moved to care for them, yet we have not always followed your example. Forgive us for the times this week when we could have comforted those who were lonely, but instead chose to go about our own busy lives. Forgive us for when we were arrogant instead of humble and did not trust your goodness and care for us. Amen. Thank you. 
Let's take a moment for a quiet personal confession. Father, we are thankful that in Christ we have a good shepherd, one who will leave the 99 to save the one lost, more than that, who lays down his life for his sheep. We're thankful for this grace, this grace that comes to us only through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and we, we give thanks in his name. Amen. Well, uh, having, having confessed our sin, let's stand together and hear the words of assurance. I come from Psalm 46, and feel free to join me in these words. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Well, as we turn to God's word now, let's pray to him that he would open our hearts to his, to his good word. Living God, help us to hear your holy word, that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe in believing, we may follow you in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord, amen. You may be seated. Today's Old Testament lesson is from Proverbs 16, 18 to 32. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise of heart is called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. A worker's appetite works for him. His mouth urges him on. A worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire. A dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. 
Today's gospel lesson is from Matthew 5, 21 to 37. You have, heard that it is, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be together and worshiping God. I'm thankful for a chance to look at uh, God's word with you this morning. And we're going to continue, as we've been doing the last few weeks, to look at the New Testament letter of James. And James, one of the central concerns is about wisdom. And as we think about this, I want to encourage us to think of wisdom as uh, rightly seeing or rightly understanding and then acting in a way that is right and good. It's both of those things. And we can know what wisdom is because Jesus, the risen one, has revealed wisdom with his teaching and with his life and in his resurrection. That we can see what is good and that we can see how to live out that goodness in him. Before I read our passage, uh, I want to mention that there's a couple of key themes that will come up in our passage from this letter. Uh, One is the power of words, the significance of the words that we speak, and also the connection of hearing and doing, that we're to be hearers and doers of the word of truth. So let's look at this passage from James 1, 19 through 27. It's on your order of worship. You can follow it there or in your Bible or just listen as I read to you. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror, and after looking at themselves, goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not bridle their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Well, this is God's word. It's given to us for our good. Uh, our passage offers two images, the image of a mirror and the image of a seed. And our sermon is going to have two parts where we look at these two images. So we're going to start with the image of a mirror. And this image has kind of two, two parts to how James talks about it. Of course, we are kind of to imagine a person catching sight of his or her face in a mirror. Maybe we can imagine a mirror in a bathroom or in a hallway. And the way he talks about it, right, is that this person sees his reflection, moves on, and then forgets what he looks like. Can you picture this? You know, a quick glance, quick glance in the mirror, then straight away this person gives attention to something else. James describes this glance as forgetting, failing to take hold, failing to remember. Such a man is like one who heard wisdom, heard a true word, but has failed to receive it. Remember it, hold on to it, or put it into practice. Or as one translation says, it's, it's like those who hear but don't act, or those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and then minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. See, this image invites us to, to think about this kind of deep connection, deep connection that's supposed to exist between our hearing of what is true and then our doing. Such any type of separating those things, separating our hearing and doing, leads to a religion that James describes as worthless. One in which there is a lot of talking or boasting, but it's hollow. Instead, we are invited to imagine a hearing and a doing in which a genuine religion is loving neighbor, being slow to anger, being willing to listen, Caring for others, especially, James says, those who are exposed or in a weak social position. Genuine religion, he says, one that is true, has love of God. Later in the book, he describes that love of God as being a friend of God and not being a friend to the corruption of the world. So the first part of this image of the mirror invites us to think about this connection of hearing and doing, of remembering and the second thing I want us to think about in this image of the mirror is the, the difference between a quick glance, a quick glance and a deep gaze. 
As we've imagined, a glance suggests kind of forgetting you're walking by the mirror and take a quick look, but give your attention elsewhere. What's a gaze? Right? A gaze is to study, to fix one's eyes, to notice details. And this letter invites us to be in people who gaze. Now, I should be clear, he's not, he's not suggesting that we should spend hours gazing at ourselves in the mirror. You know? <laughs> That's not what the image does. He actually switches the image, you might have noticed, asking, what should we gaze at? Not our, not our face. But now the person is gazing at what he describes as the perfect law of freedom. He says, he speaks of God's word. Gaze. Give your attention. Look at it. Hold it. Let it change you. You and I know that there is much to see, much that captures our eyes, and our attention is easily scattered. And James knew this as well, and so he's encouraging himself and all of us, saying, let us be those who gaze at the true word, at the gospel. Let us hold it. Let us remember it. Let it be the one, the thing that tells us who we are. And this is especially important in times of difficulty or trials or hurt. One of the ways to think about this difference between a glance and a gaze is to think about those moments, or even maybe now, where we feel shame, or we feel this weight of being a failure, not doing or being what we thought we should be. Or maybe it's we feel alone, or that others are disregarding us, or have hurt us. And what we're invited to think about is where do we cast our eyes in such moments. See, God's word has this power, even in those places of difficulty, in those things where we're trying to remember who am I and what what matters. Gaze into the perfect law of freedom tells us again who we are in Christ. In Christ, it reminds us of our dignity given by God. It reminds us of God's grace that is greater than our sin. It reminds us of the promise of vindication that we saw in the resurrection of Christ. That the world passed judgment on him, but he was risen to new life. Let us gaze there. Let us gaze at those words that tell us who we are. So first James offers us this image of a mirror, but then moves on to speak about the image of a seed. May is the time of planting and growing. Maybe you had this experience. On Friday night, I was wearing my heavy jacket, and yesterday, now I, I got sun all over my face, sitting with my T-shirt on. This is a time of things growing and planting, and that's an invitation to think of how God's word works. James says that we should receive the implanted word with meekness. This perfect law of freedom is like a seed that should come in, and when it's planted, it brings forth Life, new ways of being. And there's a couple things we can think about in this image. And first is that the image of the seed, the planted seed, highlights the significance and the power of words. The significance and the power of words. 
Lee read from Proverbs for the Old Testament lesson. Proverbs has all sorts of interesting images to talk about words. One in which words can be like flaming arrows shot into your neighbor's house. Words can be all sorts of things. In Proverbs 12, we're told that rash words, words that lack care or are hasty or are thoughtless, can cut and maim. They're like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise can bring healing. And I imagine that you can relate to that proverb. That we know whether it's our own words or words that we've received, that words can be things like sword thrusts that cut, but words also can heal. And what we're invited to consider when we think about the seed going into the ground is that words do more than pass out information. Words change things. Words change conditions. Words planted bring about new ways of being, new situations. And it's part of that reason that James highlights in his opening, this opening verse, this threefold direction. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And he explains why he says that human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. And what he means that is that human anger does not bring about relationships in the way that God intended them to be. Now we should pause for a moment and think about this, because imagine if you're like me that this is a passage that speaks to all of us. In Ephesians 4, we can read Paul say, Be angry, be angry, but do not sin. And we're reminded that the scripture tells us that angry, anger can be appropriate, but even when it's appropriate, we need to be careful because it can get out of control. And James is saying something similar. He's not saying never be angry. He doesn't say that. He rather says be slow to anger. You see, it's appropriate to be angry at times at injustice or at mistreatment, whether yourself or, or those around you. Angry over how humans made in the image of God are often disregarded and treated as less than human. Anger over seeing the wicked prosper or those who seek to do good suffer. But what James is talking about here is not that type of just anger. He's saying the human anger that breaks relationships or that's not what God intends is anger that's about finding pleasure in our own release. Do you know what he's talking about? It's anger not about justice. It's anger about because I am blocked or my way is thwarted or I want to release what I feel inside of me. And this selfish pleasure, such anger always gives birth to more anger. The power of words to maim or to heal. See, we have to think about that in relationship to the God's word, the seed that brings life. We are to receive the true word, the seed that can change us. In the tradition of the church, the virtues opposite of the vice of rage or anger, the virtues are patience and meekness. The very words that James tells us to do. In the midst of trials, be patient and steadfast. 
Don't give in to anger, but rather receive God's word with meekness, humility, and gentleness, restraint. Do you see what he's saying here? We think about the seed of this word going in, that when anger is rising in you, or when you have been hurt, or asking, who am I? Start by listening. Don't start by listening to others. We do need to do that, but he says what you start is by receiving the word of God. Let it be implanted in you. Start with that word because it is what can change and bring different ways. Gaze and give your attention to that. If you're like me, it is challenging. Challenging to hear our own words at times. It's challenging to hear the words of others. And they can echo within us maybe making us wrestle with who we are or who we're not, or what we've done or what we've failed to do. And it's in that very reality that James is offering God's good word. Receive it. Look at it. Hear it. It is a gift. It's a gift, and it has power not rooted in you. It has strength not based in your own strength. For it continues even in the midst of our hurt, even in the midst of our own failures. It offers vindication to the mistreated, offers hope to the oppressed and the forgotten. It offers life and forgiveness to sinners. It speaks of God's patience, even in the face of our anger or our failures. See, God's word is the one that brings life to all things. It is living and active. It is the word in flesh that we see in Jesus, and it is the word that has overcome the world and the word that has overcome death. It says, give our attention to that. Be quick to listen and receive it with meekness, for it can heal and save your soul. Amen. Let us be people who gaze at such a word. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are, that you don't leave us with our own words or leave us just with the words of others, but you have spoken words that are true. We pray, Lord, that we would find in them life and grace and hope, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
sharing the same loaf. We are participating in communion through these packaged elements. Does anyone who's participating need one? If you, if you don't have one, just raise your hand and Rob can help. Okay, great. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, when we come to this table that Christ has set, it's good to be reminded that this speaks of our creator, the one who's made all things, but also our redeemer. And as our passage suggests, is what we need to start with. We need to start with the word of God speaking to us. And this table is a message that God has made us to follow in his ways, but this table is set for sinners. It's not set for those who keep everything perfect or have done all the things that are to be done, but this table is a table of honesty in which we can come to bring our hurts, but also the ways that we have hurt and failed. For our place at the table from beginning to end is by the grace of Christ for us. That's the good news. And so when we see this bread broken in the cup, it tells us our place in God's family. It begins, it always begins, by Christ's work for you and for me. This table is a chance for sinners to be honest about our sin and to come not with a plan to fix it, but to come to God's grace, which is sufficient for us. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table we pray, Lord, that you set apart these elements for a sacred and holy use. And Lord, by your spirit, that you'd meet us and minister to us. We give you thanks for this bread and cup that speak of you as our creator. We thank you how they are broken and shed, the blood shed that speak of you as our redeemer. Lord, meet us where we are this day. Lift our heads and help us to walk in new ways empowered by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, this table is for all those who know of their sin and have repented and put their faith in Christ. And so if you are participating in this uh, table, either here or at, online at home, I invite you to prepare the, the communion elements that you have, to open those up and be ready to uh, receive those. 
night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus' body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord, we give you thanks for this table. Thank you for calling us and making us your sons and daughters in Christ. We do pray, Lord, as we go forth, that we would be men and women who are wise, who see as you see, and who act in the ways that Christ has revealed. Give us your spirit to strengthen us in this walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand, that we can respond to this table and receive the final blessing of God. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Lord, give us courage to take up the cross of our King and follow him. Receive now God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. You may go in peace. Amen.